Welcome to Retirementals, a podcast that dives headfirst into the issues facing the financial sector at the intersection of investment, technology and financial advice. Hosted by Abraham Oksanya, you can expect raw honesty, critical analysis and energetic interviews. Here is your host, Abraham Oksanya. Hello and welcome to Retirementals. I'm Abraham Oksanya and I'm so excited about my guest today. There is a lot of talk uh, these days around financial coaching, financial well-being, and, and, and all that stuff. But my guest today has been doing financial coaching way, way before it was, it was cool, way, way before it became, uh, you know, sort of the catchphrase that it is. My guest today is Simon Nesson, who is the founder of Wise Monkey Financial Coaching. Simone, welcome to Retirementals. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. No, thank you for coming on board. Uh, as I was saying to you before uh, we, we went live, um, followed your work for, for over a decade, you know, and I actually at some point considered uh, coaching as a career, but that didn't turn out <laughs> well. So I am really interested in learning about the work you've been doing. So give our audience a, a glimpse into your career, how you got into the coaching business. Sure. Um, so I started my career as a graduate uh, training to be an actuary, actually. Oh. And um, I only lasted a couple of years in that, realized that it was it was years before I'd be client facing and it really didn't suit me. Plus I wasn't doing very well with the exams, but um, I sidelined from that into financial services. So it wasn't like many of us. I didn't kind of wake up one morning and think, Hey, I want to be a financial advisor, but I, um, I, I moved across, I was working for, for a, a multinational uh, pension consultancy and I moved across to financial services and trained to be a financial advisor. And I loved it. And I, I took, you know, I, I, it, it suited me very well, that kind of work. But I, I moved across from there to Fiona Price and Partners. I don't know if you remember. Yes. Um, a team of women only financial advisors specializing in advising women, which was really unique in those days. That was back in 94, uh, I think, 96, um, something like that. And then, um, I I took a career break. So I'd done a lot of personal development and uh, recognized that I wanted to make some kind of changes in my life. And I, I took a career break and I went traveling for a year, which was something, my biggest passion. And that was kind of my, my big, biggest passion fulfilled. And when I came back, I didn't want to make any compromises. So I, I started, I went back to Fiona Price and Partners to see if that could be a company I would be prepared to work for again. But I didn't want to make any compromises. And I wanted to find a company that was really client centric. And that was kind of 20 odd years ago. And it wasn't that easy back then to mm. find, find an organization that met my criteria. And I found a company uh, that I worked with for a short period of time. And um, but recognized, actually, they, they changed their criteria very quickly because they brought in a sales director at the same time as bringing me on and the whole ethos of the company became very salesy. Uh, and at that moment, I recognized that products was the problem for me, 
that really what I wanted to be doing was empowering people with money where it wasn't about their net worth. It was just about them as an individual. And I wanted to concentrate more on the individual rather than their money, if that makes sense. And I, I recognized that there was a massive gap. There, there's, um, you know, 20,000 financial advisors. There's, there's um, if you're in financial difficulties, there's also lots of places to go for free debt advice. But what about everybody else? And the industry back then and, and nowadays is, is still very focused on high net worth clients. But what about people that don't meet that criteria, that don't have the uh, investable assets to, to manage, that are, that are mismanaging money, that have got themselves into bad habits, that um, maybe they just want some help and guidance to help them get on their way. And so I, I felt that there was a, a need that wasn't being met by the industry. And I also recognized that I wanted to help people. You know, why don't we do? I became really interested in the question, why don't we do what we know we need to do? How can I help people shift their behavior uh, and help them uh, address and, and manifest kind of money in a, in a much more powerful way for them in their lives? Incredible stuff. Um, talk talk, talk to, to me a bit about how you made that journey because, you know, you were there, um, you know, a, a professional financial advisor, um, which is a well-paying, you know, career with a lot of opportunities. Um, and you decided that you're going to go into something that, forgive me, nobody was doing <laughs> and set up a business around that. How was that shift? I mean, you know, dare I ask, did you come out of Minsk, to, you know, to be able to make that shift? Uh, or, or how did you manage that? So I, I've never been driven by money. Like I, I left, um, I, I, I was working for a pension consultancy, moved across to a company where I went self-employed and there was no guarantee. And everyone said, you're mad, you're giving up a final salary pension scheme fantastic career prospects but for me it was always about the work it was always about the the interest in the work and I, I was really intrigued in working with women and working with a different type of clientele and um, and making a more kind of profound difference in people's lives and so um, for me that was the drive um, I'm not a natural entrepreneur so it wasn't like whoa let's get started <laughs> this great business idea let's try and it was just that I felt a passion towards something that I couldn't ignore. I, I, there, I couldn't get my knee. I, I, I think it was probably through that journey of personal development that I was like, I kind of know who I am now. I, I want to, I want to do something with this. I've got some skills and experience and I want to be able to empower people. I always work differently as a financial advisor. Anyway, my initial meetings would often take two to three hours um, so I, I didn't, you know, I, I, other people would do their, their, that first free initial meeting with somebody for 45 minutes. Mine, I, it was always, I always had a box of tissues on my table. We always had, people always shared secrets with me and revealed their story. And I wanted to be able to do that in a more professional way and make that the, the, the ethos of the work I was doing rather than anything to do with the kind of product side of it. Um, so it was never about how will I make this work 
I mean, it, of course, I did the calculations and projections of what do I need to do in order to make this work and the pricings and uh, but it but it just started slowly, really. And I, I did uh, I did some part time work, uh, very um, something that wouldn't tax me in any way so that I could focus on this. So I, I initially did four days a week. Uh, I was doing kind of power plan. It wasn't called power planning those days, but I was kind of doing a power planning role. And um, I did four days a week, then three, then two, then one. And then I, within about six months, I gave up that kind of work so that I could um, exclusively commit to this. And I was very lucky because in the early days, in the early days, I was the only one talking about this stuff. So I was a really lone voice. Uh, but it also meant that there was a lot of media interest. So I got um, the opportunity to do a double page spread in the mail on Sunday, not necessarily my preferred publication, but um, <laughs> I, got, I got a fantastic opportunity to, to put forward my work. And a couple of my clients also told their story. And that gave me, I remember it, I got 52 new inquiries from it and at least half of those turned into clients. So I had quite a lot of, I had quite a lot of clients right from the beginning, and also I had, I had a, 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 a some people who came came back to me from the days that I was their financial advisor, and now I was in a, a different guise, but um, still supporting them with their finances. That's that's fascinating, and there's a lot in this that I want to unpack. I want to unpack the business side of things and, you know, the pricing and all that stuff, right? But before we do that, can, can you define financial coaching for me and how would you say it's different than financial advice or guidance or any of the other terminologies used um, out there? Sure. So there's a few different ways that we can talk about this. So one is um, I often put up a, a Venn diagram where we've got three circles. Uh, one is guidance and advice. One is mentoring and the other is coaching. So the advice we understand, uh, albeit in my role, it's generic advice. So I can advise people on money management techniques. I can advise people on um apps that help you track spending and that kind of thing so there might be an element of advice although that's minimal really um the mentoring is helping people with spreadsheets and cash flow forecasting and uh i've been here before and i can help you with with that kind of um helping somebody understand if, if they're trying to make a decision that has financial implications doing some of the maths behind it and, and helping them articulate what they're, they're trying to achieve with a little bit of guidance from me, with a little bit of expertise. And coaching, pure coaching, your client is the expert, not you. So pure coaching, you're asking questions, you're, you're asking questions that are thought-provoking, um, help the client gain insight and understanding into their own map of the world their own uh, set of beliefs their own assumptions and and an action that would serve them so you're 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 there's a deep listening um powerful questions where you're teasing out information from the client to help them move forward and take action and um understand themselves better 
Does that make sense? It so does make sense. Yeah. The financial coaching sits in the middle of that. So at times, it may be that you're working with somebody who has. Um, so, well, actually, the important point is you're also potentially working with a different type of client. So it might be that you're working with somebody who is um, hasn't got the financial results that they want in their life. You know, maybe they're they're earning well, but they've got nothing to show for it or they've got actually quite a lot of debt. And the more you earn, the more debt you can actually acquire. Um and it may be that they're in a company pension scheme or they're they're paying into a private pension, but they haven't got um, they're not building the wealth in the way they want to. And they know the habits aren't serving them. So they wouldn't ordinarily go and seek financial advice because they haven't got money to invest there. But they do need help when it comes to money and they need help in understanding and un unraveling their own relationship to money. So there can be some very deep work that you can do in helping them shift patterns of behavior and their mindset in order to achieve what they're trying to achieve. Does that make sense? So that's one aspect. Um, and then of course you've got people that, that they're, that are trying to make decisions like, can I afford to privately educate my kids or can I afford to take voluntary uh, redundancy? And they might have been offered voluntary redundancy and at some level, they know that there is no money in the world that would make them feel secure. Mm. And that's, we know that there's, there's an un, underlying it. There's something deeper for them to work on. And that's where financial coaching sits really well, where you can do some of the practical work. You can do the, the, um, you know, how much money do you, do you need to be living on? How much money, how long will this money last? What are your other, you, you can tease out all of that, but also you can, work at a deeper level in really trying to help them shift their their messaging about money and their beliefs around themselves. Um, and that could and that's where you can make you can make huge transformations in someone's life. And that's beautiful work. Now a word from our sponsor. Nikki Heating Jones is the managing director and the chief investment officer at Betafolio, the high-tech, low-cost discretionary model portfolio manager. Typical model portfolio service costs about 36 basis points. That's in addition to the funds, the platform, you know, the advice fees. Tell us a bit about Betafolio's view and approach on fees. Well, I don't think anyone that knows us already, Abraham, would be surprised to hear me say that in a nutshell, MPS fees are too high. Um, if you include the fund charges and the platform fee that you already talked about, we get close to 1%, I think, on average for a lot of retail clients. And that's before they start paying for the financial plan, which is the part of the service that will ultimately add the most value for them in their advisor relationship and experience. Um, so, I mean, my view on fees and Betafolio's view on fees is that they have a real impact on current outcomes that need attention. Um, and that's why we're building a scalable solution with technology that will allow us to keep costs low. And I think we also should consider the impact of these fees on advisors' businesses too. Advisors need to, to make a profit from, from their work. They need to have a viable business. 
and their cost bases have been rising because of regulation and the the more costs they have to pass through to their clients for overcomplicated services in in turn puts pressure on the advisor's own fees and and ultimately makes it not possible for them to to run a, a good business so fees are really crucial um and i'm really happy that we're in a position to be having a positive influence on the the trends in the market good stuff thank you nikki how do you train for this right what sort of training do you need to actually legitimately call yourself a financial coach and that that question is actually coming honestly from a, a place of cynicism right you know we we have different sorts of coaching around today career coaching you know business coaching i i i am a business person i am immensely cynical about business coaches right you know and i think probably that would translate uh, to, to career coaching as well probably arrogance I, as well but my point is that you were talking about all the deeper issues shifting behaviors you know all of these things that maybe i am wrong i could be wrong but are bothering on around psychology um you know therapy all these sort of things and i'm sitting there and thinking what kind of training do you need to to do this stuff well also don't forget that what within our role we're not we're mostly listening partners so we're we're holding the space the 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 biggest input is really holding the space for somebody to understand themselves better to to hear their own thoughts to understand their patterns of thinking and behavior and then articulate that and identify ways that they can do things differently. So we're not there saying, right, this is what you need to do. You got your pen and paper at the ready. <laughs> this, this is, and we're not, um, we're not therapists. So we're not going back to the past. And, and I mean, of course, we are to some degree asking them about their messaging around money and their belief systems, but we're not analyzing them we're not analyze we're not we're not the solution providers in in that we're we're holding the space for them to think and talk and articulate and identify and, and gain insights and identify action that would serve them better so that's that's one thing is that we're not we're not pretending to be therapists right and some people that, so I, I'm training people to become financial coaches. Some people come from a therapeutic background. Some people come from an advisory background. Some people come from a, you know, they might be an accountant or have worked with people in, a, in, in finance, but not necessarily within their personal finances um, and all other kind of backgrounds, actually. But when, so, so that's one thing. Um, so with coaching... There is um, when, when you're when you're coaching, you're not the one providing the solutions. The client is right, and so what we're so I when I originally started, I did I did some coaching training, and I also trained as a an NLP practitioner, right, and and a, and then became a master NLP practitioner. So I apply that also to my work. Um, and I, I know that you, you asked me about kind of the George Kinder training, and I did, I did 
George Kinder's training also, and I've uh, integrated that into my work too. For the training that we deliver, um, we, we're offering kind of 54 hours of live training sessions. There's coaching practice within that. There's, um, there's um, additional uh, sessions outside of the, the training room where people get to practice. There's case studies. So we're, we're generating a training that gives people the experience. So, so the theory, but also very experiential. They get lots of practice in coaching real life kind of case studies and and coaching each other so there it's giving people the experience in order to um to fill, fulfill that kind of role and then and we're also now moving the training towards a a, a, a coaching and mentoring qualification so we're not right this isn't ready yet but um so we're so so it would be that there would be a proper um coaching and mentoring qualification that that would would a pathway to that within within the training so with 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 a coaching and mentoring qualification with the the um the training and and the hours of practice you've got you've got the credentials to uh to fulfill that kind of role but we're not we're not trying to be you know we're holding the space for the emotions to be revealed for people to work through their blocks and understand themselves better uh, but we're not the solution providers in that if that makes sense understood and and how how much of financial um financial is is involved in in the coaching you know so obviously the coaching which focuses on listening questioning the individual um, but also then this is still financial coaching as opposed to say a career or business coaching so i guess my question is how much of uh, that fin advice generic advice and guidance is is involved in in the training for for the coaches yeah, so I mean, in in terms of everyone's individual practice, it it's different. Some people will focus much more on the coaching, right? And it will be almost entirely helping people budget, manage money, and their relationship to money. Others will be much more concentrating on the education side of it, the the mentoring side, um, which um, may you know they may come from a financial services background or have have a, a deep understanding. So we don't we we have a in our training, we have uh, in, in the live training sessions, we don't we we, we do um, modules on money management and debt management, but we don't we don't train on pension savings, investments, etc. Right, right. But we right. do have a pre course called Personal Finance Seminar Series, which we uh, get people to go on who haven't come from a financial services background, and. Um, so there are seminars that they attend prior to attending the training. Um, so that's that's the kind of fight where the financial content is taught for those that don't come from that background. Makes sense. Makes sense. And do you see this as um, th there's a lot of talk in the in the financial advice space about using coaching skills, you know, to, to understand the client's 
you know, drive, goal, aspiration, mistakes, money mistakes, and things like that. Uh, and, and a lot of planners that I know, or many planners that I know, do this, but it ultimately then leads back to, uh, you know, investing, savings, uh, and all that stuff. So, so I guess the question is, do you see coaching as almost invariably leading to financial advice? Or does it stand on its own? Because my, my point is, my, my maybe I, I'm not trying to ask the question and answer it, right? Um, no, I, I guess just answer the, the question on that basis. Do you see it as a natural step before advice? Yeah, so I, 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 I take your, I, I'm understanding what your question is about, I think. That first, first of all, it can be a standalone. Right. Um, as in, you know, you might have somebody that's uh, a DIY type investor, but they've got some habits and behaviors that don't serve them. They want to understand uh, what's getting in the way. They, um, or, or they want to kind of understand the landscape a little bit better. Of course, we have to be very cautious not to step into the regulatory space. Uh, so there's that. There, it could be a support to people that don't seek financial advice ordinarily or don't have the resources uh, to, to seek financial advice. Um, but it can also be a stepping stone into that world. So, for instance, if you've got somebody, I might be working with a client who's recently inherited money. And um, in fact, it it scares them, you know, like this is a, this is money that was received from my father and he put the fear of god in me about this and um i i feel like i've got to be a caretaker to this and i or they feel that it's now created such a difference between me and my partner and my friends and i feel uncomfortable and i i don't like the, the disparity of wealth and all those things that they there's there's no way they could go straight to see a financial advisor they need to unpick and unravel all of that first so that could be a stepping stone also in, in helping people understand the whole arena of financial services uh, where you've never had to tackle this before. It's frightening. Like, who do you go to? I've suddenly got this money. How do I know who I can trust? So it can be a stepping stone into that world. We can offer uh, guidance and education, even in, in terms of how financial advisors work. You know, sometimes I'll uh, draw up a spreadsheet and we'll kind of draw out all the criteria that's important to you within this relationship and the types of questions that you might want to ask. And so even that alone could be supportive to somebody in that situation. So there's many instances where it could be a good stepping stone in helping somebody understand, um, you know, if if you say to them, let's do cash flow forecasting, I've got clients that would run a mile because, <laughs> because I mean, because of their history with money and because of their well their history full stop and and how they can't look into the future it's too they can't they can only see the here and now and it's too fearful for them to be thinking about what the future may hold and so we have to work through some of those things before they would be ready to say you know i've got clients sometimes even just income and spending it can take months to get clear about what their income and spending is and if you go straight in with what's your income and spending what's your assets and liabilities what are your it you know they're, they're not ready for that kind of process so it definitely can be a kind of stepping stone into that world and then within financial services so people who are 
who are regulated and operating in that way, of course, it's phenomenal to use. So some practices coach first, then they do their planning, and then they implement uh, the, the advice. So um, the, 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 the coaching for the beginning and really helping somebody understand what they want, understand, and, and profound their profound goals, like at a deeper level, what does money mean to you? What, what, um, you know, what would be an absolute ideal vision for your life? Those things are beautiful to kind of articulate within a coaching, with a coaching mindset where you're, you're listening and you're asking powerful questions to really help a client, the client understand themselves better. And even questioning and challenging potentially, um, you know, they might say, I want to retire early and, and understanding what that means to them. What does that look like for them? So you're almost rehearsing the future for them with them. Um, so coaching works beautifully there, but but that isn't the only place for it to be. And I, I think there is a danger that that coaching is thought of as it's only working with people's emotional relationship to money or it's only at the beginning of a process mm. whereas actually it could be much more than that uh, you know my definition of financial coaching is can actually be quite practical as well as dealing with the emotional but but if we just think about the the coaching aspect of it then all the way through the journey um in helping them understand the way they're managing money and communication with them and their partner and their kids and you know, giving money to the kids and all the the myriad of different individual little decisions that are being made. It's it every part of that is really helping them understand themselves better, um, and work through, you know, ways of changing behaviour. And of course, you know, we know times like we're having right now with the markets. Yeah. We've got to be really. That's coaching in in kind of helping people understand themselves and and what's going on for them emotionally if they're troubled by the fact that their portfolio has gone down by 10 15 percent um and the impact that that's having you know there 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 would be the space there to spend a lot of time listening and and asking more kind of thought-provoking questions to help them understand themselves and understand the emotions underpinning it so Let's talk about the the business side of this. I mean, I guess the, the first question is, how big do you think this market is? You know, we know that financial advice mostly deals with the top 10% of, of wealth in the country. You talked earlier about the opportunity being available to, uh, you know, people who might be in financial difficulties with the free, um, you know, services. How big is the, do you think, the, the, the opportunity for financial coaching is? Well, I think you've just answered that really, haven't you? Like if, if it's 10% of people are seeking financial advice and maybe, you know, a couple of percent or 5% are, are seeking free debt advice, then really it's everybody else because it could be, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a big piece of work that lasts several years. It could be, answering questions you know helping somebody make a decision um so for or, or helping them um understand their money behavior better or um or get into a habit of saving you know some people have never saved 
a penny all of their lives. And um, yes, you know, there might be some financial constraints about that, but even not even saving five pound a month kind of thing. So there, there are having some time with a financial coach. There's almost nobody that couldn't benefit from it. And then it's just a case of how do we reach those people and, and are they willing to pay for, for that kind of service? But I think there's an enormous market. I think it is an enormous market. If we think about all the orphaned clients from financial advisors that after RDR, um, no one was interested in servicing them anymore. Where, where have they gone? You know, who's looking after them? Have they got, <clears throat> have they got needs? Are they retiring at some point in their lives? Are they also trying to make decisions about whether they release some equity out of their property to help out their kids fund, um, purchase their first property? What to do about, um, you know, they've got some capital and they're trying to make a decision about whether to help their kids out with student loans. And people have these decisions to make. And then, of course, we know that this is still quite a taboo subject. People aren't talking about money having a conversation with somebody that's focused on their financial lives is really important for most people. Um, you know, almost nobody could not benefit from this. So I think the market is enormous, personally. I always have believed that. And now, you know, obviously in the last 10 years or so, you know, hundreds of people are kind of joining this now. Um, and, and I've trained about 150 people. So there's there's um and Catherine Morgan is training lots of people Tina Weeks is training people so there's there's lots of people being trained out there that are delivering this and I know some of the the regulate the regulated financial advisors are also opening up kind of separate unregulated practices so I think there's an enormous market for for this uh it's just kind of getting getting word out there so the financial advice world is learning more about it but I the consumer world still doesn't know that financial coaching exists. Right, right. And I guess the other question is, or part of this is, how, how does the pricing work typically? What do you expect when you're going to pay, when, when you're going to speak to a financial coach? So different people offer different, um, different types of services. Some people are doing group coaching, some people are doing one-to-one. Some people are doing are offering kind of packages so that you buy kind of six sessions up front. Uh, that's probably the most common. I personally have always done a kind of pay as you go because I like the 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 transparency of that. Uh, one of my values, kind of coming out of the financial services industry, was to be one hundred percent transparent with everything I do. Uh, you know, I I left the industry still at the time of commissions, and of course. Um, I hated the fact that there was such disparity about the amount of money people were taking. And I know, of course, that's changed, but that it hasn't changed so enormously because we've still got assets under management that people don't necessarily appreciate how much they're paying for, for fees. So um, so for me, it was transparency was important. And um, I've always I've, I have tried lots of different types of pricing models, but I. I basically just charge fees at the end of each session with clients and we work out a, a, a series of how we work together individually. So for some clients, we work together once a month. Typically, it will be we'll, we'll have an initial two hour session, then we'll, we'll work together once a month, uh, perhaps for, for an hour. 
uh, for a period of time. And for some people that might be six months and for, for others it might be several years. And I have some clients that I work with for, for 12 years or so, which is kind of frowned upon in co the coaching world. But, um, I, you know, I've got a, 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 I've got a client who's a father of five kids, uh, home educating the kids or unschooling the kids, as they call it, um, has his own business. This is his time to think about himself and what he wants and, uh, and, and what's getting in the way or what, what action he needs to take to move forward. Sorry, forgive me. Why is it frowned upon that you're working with someone for, for the longer term? Because what you don't want to create is codependency. So right. if you're if they're relying on you to support them forever, then they're not relying on themselves. So you're uh, so in in the therapeutic world, in in the coaching world, you wouldn't necessarily expect to be working with somebody as you would do with a financial advisor for the rest of your life. Mm, you know yeah. the the rest of their working life or the rest of their life. You're you have the same relationship. Uh, it may be that it's just a piece of work that you do with them and then then you're finished and then maybe you know I, I have clients that kind of come back kind of three years down the line now they're a different set of circumstances and they're now getting divorced and they want to make some decisions uh and and something has come up also in, within their relationship to money that's uh, that's not helpful thinking for them and they want to kind of work through that so they might come back from time to time but uh but they're but i personally do have clients that i have worked with for years and probably always will do. Interesting. So if I put my entrepreneur's hat on, right, and I'm looking at this, you know, blue ocean in front of us, you know, of massive number of people that aren't currently being served by existing financial services model, would you object, but I need you, uh, Simone, as my, uh, you know, uh, conscience, right? Would you object? So, 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 I mean, you know, we actually see traditional financial service company trying to come to this space. So Octopus Coach Coaching, for instance, is an example. I don't know a lot about their strategy and what they're, they're, they're trying to do. Um, but my, my, my thought is, would you object to an established financial services company coming to this space, perhaps using technology, uh, you know, to make coaching and give people access to coaches. If there is an ulterior motive and, and an assumption that if this works out, right? So, you know, we, we charge people, I don't know, 50 pound a month for six months to, to give them access to a, you know, to a, to a coach and help them walk through the issue. But, but ultimately, they, I assume, are betting on if this strategy works out, these people are going to need, um, you know, probably some financial product at the end of the journey. What is wrong with that type of strategy? Um, I do worry about a conflict of interest that um, the the part of the beauty of a, a of a coaching um, relationship that's outside of the advisory world is that you can support and guide somebody to make the, the choices that are right for them. And you can help them understand the financial landscape. You can help them understand products. You can help them without any ulterior motive. There's, 
So there's pure um, transparency and trust. And I think the minute you put the regulatory hat on, so I've got this hat and now I've also got this hat, or I've got this side company that does this bit, let's pass you on to them. Um, I think there's a conflict of interest because you're, I mean, with the pure coaching side of things, I don't give advice. So, um, I mean, what, even within the mentoring, we don't work in an advisory way. So it's we're, we're not giving advice about the right way forward for them. We're helping them understand that for themselves. So we're guiding and supporting with information and knowledge to support that decision potentially, but they're making the decisions. So if you then say, right, now we've gone through this part of the process, we're now ready for this part of the process um, with my sister company or whatever it is, then it's, it's, it, that, that's the, 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 the issue I have is that it may not be exactly what that client needs or wants, but they're, they're shoehorned into that route because that's, that's the pathway of that particular organization. Is the, great the enemy of good here tell me what you mean by that so i i actually do agree with you that you know having the coaching as um you know independent uncompromised as possible is the right answer but there's a reason why it hasn't taken off um you know i mean that it's not well recognized, as you said, by the consumer and things like that. And that may well be that, um, you know, vast majority of financial services just miss that opportunity. And eventually uh, somebody is going to come to this space, um, you know, and, and find a way to scale this. And uh, maybe I'm thinking about this completely wrong, right? Um, but. So it may well be that this is just, I mean, to me, it just seems like this is just an incredible opportunity sitting there lying fallow. Nobody's cultivating it. Um, and there is a reason why um, either new um, entrants and come into the marketplace or existing financial services group and going there. Um, and somehow somebody's got to resolve that, I think. Well, the, the, there's a lot going on already in this space, I think. And there's lots of apps that are bringing in financial coaches and they're trying to systemize things and automate things. And I, I think it is <clears throat> the very nature of a coaching relationship is is the, the that it's a, I mean, I, I think it works beautifully on a one-to-one -one basis where you are really understanding that individual and it's you're not pigeonholing anyone. No one's going into any box. You're... Everything is absolutely personalized to that individual. Um, the minute you start diluting that, I think you dilute the service and you di dilute the quality. But um, but no doubt that kind of stuff is is still happening and still successful. And um, so I, I think it's it's my job and it's um, the the job of those those of us kind of taking this forward to actually shout through the rooftops and let everyone know that this exists. And um, over time, you know, I, I'm 20 years in now and I've, you know, I've written a book and I've, I've done lots of media interviews and things. And 
you know, it has kind of had some traction and there is some traction in this and people, people kind of, you know, when people find my service, for instance, sometimes I get emails kind of saying, oh my God, I wish I knew about this 20 years ago. Mm. Um, like how my life might have been different if I'd have known about that. So I, I think, you know, it's our job to kind of get the message out there to, uh, to let people know that this is, this is something on offer. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I guess there'll be all different kind of solutions to this and, and we'll see how, how this goes, but this feels like, you know, particularly as things, you know, there's so many kind of robo advice type opportunities and DIY that people are, are prepared to do things for themselves and do some, some of their own research and you can go onto websites and, um, and research good platforms to purchase uh, ices and pensions and so in support of that you know financial coaches can kind of help with that kind of journey if people are interested in that um but i i guess it's just yeah we just have to let people know about this more absolutely and you've you know you've done an incredible job um you know over the last 20 odd years on that front you continue to um and i have huge respect and and admiration for that so um, uh, Simon, thank you very much for your time, for your wisdom, and for, for the incredible work that, that you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together. Thank you, thank you very much guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline App, the retirement planning software, and Bitfolio, the high-tech, low-cost, flat-fee model portfolio manager. And you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on Money. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.